0: A few years ago, I was having the opportunity of working in my kitchen and getting some things done when all of a sudden I come around the corner and one of my sons, who will not be named at this time, was sitting there. He's all cute, about that tall, wearing his little diaper, holding his little spoon. And I'm walking around that corner and I look at him and I'm like, wow, you look so cute. Man, you smell bad. That's right. He had one of those um, bad diaper moments, so I go down there, check out his back of his pants and noticed it looked kind of funny indeed it was dirty but then I look over at his spoon and I'll tell you the truth there was just a little bit of brown on it with these two teeth mark right through the front that's right he decided to reach back and go ahead and eat some of it and I was so grossed out. <laughs> so I take him, to, I sit him down. Of course, you know, he's little, but it's time to have the conversation. Son, son, I told him, look, you don't eat your own poo. You know, he just looks at me, smiles. And but that, that one of those moments that you always remember in parenting. And so when I, when I engage in that, I realize man, there's gonna be a lot more conversations, hopefully over never over that one again. But the conversations that we are to have are critical in our parenting, critical in our training of our children. In fact, as we're going through this conversation of parenting, as we're looking at these phases and we realize it's just a phase, conversations are key. Conversations are critical. In fact, the Bible is replete with conversations. It's got tons of them in there. In fact, an entire book that we call the book of Proverbs exists as a conversation to children. In fact, take a look at this proverb. It says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And what we see here is a conversation over 10 times he's going to tell his son, listen to me, you know, put on the words that I have for you. Put on around your neck, carry it like frontlets, do these things. Don't abandon my word, don't abandon my teaching. Because really, this is a parent teaching a child, through plenty of conversations. And on this time period, we wanna cover four different conversations as a church, four conversations that we believe you should be having throughout the phases with your children. We're gonna talk about health, we're gonna talk about faith, we're gonna talk about technology, and we're gonna talk about sex. And these four conversations are critical. They're, they're important in the midst of the phases and the journey that you're going to go through with your children. Now today, we're going to be discussing health. We're going to talk about physical health. We're going to talk about mental health. And we're going to engage in this conversation. And by the way, this is not one conversation. This needs to be many conversations. You have to have them throughout time. Last week, we talked about time. We talked about that really there are two forms of time within scripture. There's chronos time and then there's kairos time. Chronos is that clock time, that day after day, week after week kind of time. And then there's Kairos time. And Kairos time is that moment time, that event time, that epic time. And so when we looked at the days and the weeks, we understood that, hey, as we we break it down, you got roughly 936 weeks, represented by all those little marbles in the jar, 936 weeks from birth until graduation. And really, that's not that many, but as you look at it, you remember that week after week, drop after drop, you're putting this information into your children's lives. You're training them and leading them. And so these break down into four distinct phases. On the one side we have the pre to uh, to preschool the pre time period birth to preschool event. Over here we look at this and we've got okay we got elementary school, we got middle school, and we got high school. And these are those kairos moments and each one is going to have different information and in the same thing is true as we dive into this and have these conversations. And maybe you're saying, "Well, how do I have those conversations? What's going on?" And remember we have a rhythm A rhythm in the conversations. And this is found here in Deuteronomy 6, 7. After we've been told to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it goes on to tell us that we should teach these commands of the Lord diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And what we're seeing here is that this is a rhythm that we should be having from mornings, and meals to our movement, our travel, our going around to our bedtime. And that morning meals movement and and bedtime routine happens every day. Now you're not gonna hit all the conversations all the time, every day. No, what you're gonna do is you're gonna make sure that you hit these rhythms throughout the weeks. And as the weeks go on and the epics change, as as these very phases change, we wind up training our children and pouring it into their lives. And so in this case, We're going to be dropping these conversations about health in each one of these rhythms. Now, what do we mean by health, though? This is an important conversation because, to be honest, if you examine the Bible for very long, health doesn't show up a whole lot. Maybe staying well, you know, making sure that you're not diseased is an important aspect to health. But really, we need to define health. What is health? The way I want to put it is health is putting the right things in your body or into your mind and using your body rightly or using your mind rightly. So putting the right things into your body or mind and using your body or your mind rightly. These are the two aspects to health. And so when we engage in this, when I make sure that I have self-control over what I put in my body, we call that a diet we call that right thinking. When I engage my body in the right things I should be doing with it, we call that exercise, exertion, service. There's all kinds of things. When I use my mind rightly, it's going to come out as information. It's going to come out as a helpful thing to other people. It's going to be right thinking and kind speech, those kind of pieces. Now, I can't give you everything we're going to talk about when it comes to health. That's just not going to be possible. And so what we're going to do tonight and today, we're going to engage in a conversation about health, but we need to start in our framework with the right goal. Look, good health needs a healthy goal. Good health needs a healthy goal. Because we have to answer that primary question. Why should you be healthy? You know, if the Bible only talks about it roughly, why should we be healthy? Well, you'd be surprised. The Bible does talk about health, but it talks about it in a very specific way. It gives us a goal. Now, our culture is ready. Our culture is ready to jump in and be first in the conversation about health. Just as um, you should be as a parent ready to be the first one in, but the culture is already ready to give an answer. And so I want to encourage you to get your answer ready first so that when you go to your children, they see you as the expert. They come to you for the help. But if the culture's already speaking to them, they're going to tell them some answers. Why should you be healthy? First of all, you should be healthy to look good. Man, you should have rock hard abs, right? You should have a rack, man. Check out the gun show. You, know, you should be Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. But you're, you're supposed to be looking good. And there's so many people out there that are aiming their lives and aiming their exercise time around looking good and not about health. And what's interesting is the Bible is clear. Uh, Paul writing to his protege, Timothy, speaks about a concept of looks. And now he's speaking mainly to women in this passage, but I believe the principle of modesty and the principle that comes in here of not being vain applies. It says in 1 Timothy 2, he says, "'Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Again, he's saying, this isn't about what you look like. This isn't about dressing in the right way. This isn't about making sure you look hot and you you got the right curves and the right muscles and now you got your value. No, he says, look, it's about good works. It's about something else. We cannot make health about looking good. We cannot make health about the way that I appear. That's the wrong reason. In fact, it will cause mental problems. You you won't be healthy mentally if you're so fixated on your physical look. And so there are others in the culture saying it's not about good looks. You know what it's about, guys? It is about living longer. There is entire magazines and programs that are given out there about living longer, extending your life, making sure that you have the longest possible life you can have. And look, health can't be about long life. Jesus, he said it this way. He actually said, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your life? Which of you by being worried and fixated on what you eat, what you drink and what you wear is going to extend your life even by an hour? He said, you can't. Our lives cannot be extended. I mean, how many young men and how many young women have worked out and kept themselves healthy only to end up in a car accident? only to wind up with a crazy situation in which their life is gone early. Just because you're healthy is not a guarantee to long life. And so it can't be the aim of health that we teach our children. It can't be the aim of health that we keep in our life. Some people say, well, the aim is to not get sick. Others, it's the aim is to to be powerful, to be able, because we don't wanna be feeble and we don't wanna be diseased and we don't wanna be these things. And I would say, yes, those those are good results, but again, If you live long enough, eventually you're going to have an inability. Eventually you're going to be feeble. Eventually you're going to find the muscle and the power weakens. But listen, eventually you're going to get sick too. So these can't be good goals. They can't be what we intend as we go out for health. So what then? What is it supposed to be? Well, again, Scripture seems to put down the physical exercise and all these other things, but it lifts up something else. It lifts up the fact that we're supposed to be good managers with what God has given us. You and I are supposed to be the good managers on this earth of of our finances. We're supposed to be good managers on this earth of of our homes and of our church and of your skills and of your giftedness. You need to be a good manager when it comes to the earth itself. And the same thing goes for your body. It's a gift given to you from God and you are to be a good manager of it. Notice what Paul again writes to the Corinthians, a group of people that love to use their body in whatever way they wanted to. Paul actually gives us a reminder. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. If you underline that, mark that, write that down. See, this is the opposite of what our culture wants to teach you and teach me. You and I, you and I are not our own. We don't own our own bodies. In fact, he goes on to say, you were bought with a price. Hear me for a minute. If you're a Christian, it means Jesus Christ bought you. He purchased you with massive suffering. He purchased you with the cross. And so your body is no longer your own. Your life is no longer your own. You belong to God. And this is key critical because then our bodies aren't for us. This whole situation we're living for is for someone else. That's why he goes on to say, so glorify God in your body honor God, make the most of God in your body. And so this is just echoing what Jesus already taught us last week, right? With the whole purpose of our parenting, which is to people to love God and love others and to grow to be adults who do this. Now here, here we're looking at it. Jesus said it this way in Mark 12. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. I mean, what's left out? That's strength, that's soul. These are your body with your mind. That's the mental health. Guys, we need health. Put the right things in, do the right things with it. But we need to do it for the purpose of honoring God. We need to have the goal in health that we, are, that we can love God and others better. The goal in our health is to love God and others better. Better. When we are that way, we have just hit on the very core of why you and I have a body, why you and I are living in the way that we are. But here, we need to check our own hearts. How many of us here today can say that that's the reason you exercise? That that's the reason you eat right? That that is the reason that you are trying to have a good mental health, that maybe you've gone and seen a psychiatrist or you've gone to to get that help out because you want to honor God the best that you can with what God has given you, with the mind he's given you, with the body he's given you. Or is it for one of the worldly reasons? Is it so you can look smart or you can look strong or you can be good looking, or, or maybe you can live a long time maybe, for one of those other reasons. Those are good results of good health, but not good ultimate purposes. And so I wanna, I wanna let you know, kids will catch what you're doing more of education is caught than taught. And you can teach them the right things. You can have these conversations, but if you have not oriented your own heart and your own mind around the purpose of health, being that we would be healthy so that we can love God and love others better, then they're not going to get it. They're going to look at themselves. They're going to try to be good looking. They're going to try to be strong and able. They're going to try to live a long life because this oftentimes is an echo of what we are. So I want to challenge you guys to have the right goal. And you should write that goal down. You need to be healthy and you need to teach health so that we can love God and love others better. And that is the ultimate goal. And so doing that, now we, can, now we can enter into the phases. Now we can go all through these time periods, week by week through that rhythm and begin to have good conversations with our kids. And so let's begin through those phases. We're going to start over here. We're going to start with that pre to birth. And, and the goal here, when you got all those weeks ahead of you at the beginning time is to establish basic nutrition. You want to establish a basic nutrition and some good habits, because hey, this is the time period where you 're not having a lot of conversations let 's be honest i didn 't have a real great conversation with my son after he ate his own poop okay I, I had to I had a bit of a conversation, but he was still super young Now, what we look at here is actually our lives helping and guiding them. See, God did this for us back when humanity was brand new, back when humanity was just beginning. What you'll see is that God gave us a certain nutritional standard. It's right here in Genesis one twenty nine. It says, "And behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit." You shall have them for food. So God said, here you go. Have fruits, have the vegetables, yes. Originally, God intended us to be vegetarians. And I know all you vegetarians out there, you're like, amen. But you know, later he gave us meat too. So we we'll have to get into that. The point was that God gave us how to eat and there was a way that we should eat. And he was being kind to us to put us on this earth and give us something that was nutritious. It was beginning us on the right step. Those of you who hate vegetables, I'm sorry, you need to reread that verse. As we look at this, though, God is setting out a basic health pattern for us, like we need to for our children at this early stage. Again, there are fewer conversations, but you can have some. And so with our rhythm in the morning, what we want to do is we want to start with conversations in the morning, when our children get up, when they rise And during this time when our kids are little, this is about teaching hygiene. This is about getting up and taking a bath. This is about combing your hair, putting on clean clothes. This is about making sure your teeth are brushed. And this is the conversation that we need to be having as we work through these baby little steps, as we help them as they get older and as they grow, we're enabling them to engage in their body how to keep their body clean. What is their body? This may be the time period we're talking about what their body parts are, so they understand how they work and what to do in this. And so when we examine in the morning, this is a great time to begin conversations about basic hygiene and basic body stuff. When you sit down at a meal time, then that's our second movement, there basically will be meals in the morning or meals at night. And during these time periods, this is a great time to help them try new foods. At least it, it's a good idea, right? I mean, when I was when I had little kids, trying new foods was not the easiest thing. I wanted to give them good, nutritious foods. And we say so you get the carrots out, and you know, open that little bottle, and, and you'd put it in their mouth. And the way they do, they would spit it out. Blech! You know, because have you ever tasted that stuff? That's nasty. And you take it, and you're like, I like carrots. And I'm like, I don't like that stuff. And yeah, you know, what do we do? We sit there with those kids, and we put it in their mouth, and we kind of, they spit out. And we go, Nope, you're going to eat that. I don't know what it tastes bad, but you're going to put it in your mouth. It's nutritious. Obviously, we need to give our children what's nutritious. We want to help them find new foods and good foods. And as they get a little older, you can invite them into the kitchen to be there, watch you cook, talk about what it is, go to the store with you and see where the food is coming from. This is all part of just that mealtime reality. And it's all about what goes in your mouth. And trust me, my son need to learn what goes in his mouth. Did we. But as we go through this process, we're teaching them what goes in and why it's important. And we're showing them and helping them go through that process. Now, as you move forward in travel time, this is movements. And this may be exercise, this may be driving in the car, but what you're doing is you're helping them. You're playing with them. You're getting them active. You're engaging with them in wrestling and, and tummy time, or you're up there and you're you're doing their little things. You're getting them out in the outdoor and indoor play. This is all about activity. So they know they got to keep moving. Maybe you're talking to them about the sweaty it's good to be sweaty and they're just like dripping you're like that's so good you got to be sweaty and they're like I lack sweat whatever but you want to get engaged with your kids and help them understand why being active with their bodies is good and keep them active with their bodies and so during that movement time that travel time it's so critical and so important to ensure that our children are beginning that process of nutritious and active play And I believe at the bedtime, the last point point in which you can have conversation, this is more about the mental time. Yes, even a baby before school can gain a lot from the mental time. And what I mean by mental time is this is the time to read them stories, read them Bible stories, read them bedtime stories, talk about God's truth. Tell them about your love, put good things into their minds. This is the time to pray over them and pray with them and teach them to pray. And to be honest, this is a key critical time because as you start to help them and as you, you know, continue to help with their mind, they grow in a confidence of their Lord and in the confidence of your love. I like leaning into my kids early on and I would look at them and say, you know how much I love you? They say so much. I say, that's right, I love you so much. Will I ever stop loving you? And they go, no. And I say, never, never. Because I wanted them to know if I can love you and never stop loving you, God will love you and never stop loving you. And so bedtime is key for that good mental conversation stuff. But it's also a time to repeat hygiene. You know, make sure they brush their teeth, make sure they've washed their hands, make sure they've gone to the bathroom, all that stuff, and and make sure that they have a good sleep pattern in their life. Now, you're not going to talk about that, but you're providing it for them. You're giving them their basic needs. That's the goal here. Now note, this is the time period way here at this beginning, before school starts, you want to do this with a team. Do not do this alone as a parent. It's scary enough if it's, your first, if it's your first child. And to be honest, by your fourth child, you get a little lazy. But what we need to be is a people who are engaged with a team. That may be your family who's helping you out, your mom, your dad, giving you advice, giving you information. That may be a a wise mentor at the church. Definitely you need the church because you're going to be tired. And you know what? Children's ministry is a blessing to you so that you can set them aside for a bit. They can learn good things about God and you can come and get connected with God because guess what? A parent who's connected with God is a healthier parent. And so we want to bring them to the church. You don't want to skip Sundays. You want to help them build those nutritional habits that help for their mind and help with their life. But you need to bring people around you. In fact, that's just what the Proverbs state. They say, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. You want many advisors, in that list, a dentist, including that list, a physician, a pediatrician of some kind, who's giving you good information and good advice about your child's health. And this is that beginning place, the pre, that preschool, that birth to preschool time period. But eventually you're going to move into phase two. You're going to step up. Some of those beads are going to be from the jar and you're going to get into that point where it's phase two. It's elementary. It's time to develop positive routines where you've given them good nutrition. Now it's, we're developing. We're working with them. Jesus did this with his disciples. He taught them to pray, he taught them to to preach, he taught them to get rest. Jesus was constantly reinforcing good routines. God reinforces good routines in our lives. He wants us to be there. And at this time, in this phase, near the end of it, as these marbles get closer to looking like this, you're gonna have to have some critical conversations. One of those critical conversations is gonna be over drugs and alcohol. This is where you begin some of that conversation. Because you may be a house that drinks alcohol. Well, you need to be able to explain what the limits are and why you don't get drunk and why it's not good for you to drive and all those kind of things. You may be a family that's chosen never to drink alcohol. You need to explain why that is and why it's a health decision and why it's good for you guys to do this. You need to talk about tobacco and you need to talk about vaping. You need to talk about these things because they're going to engage it. Now it needs to be age appropriate near the end of this phase, not at the beginning. But this is a critical conversation that you should begin to have about their health, about their body, because this is about honoring God with our bodies. We want to say things like we don't do this because we don't believe we can serve, love God or love other people, serve them with our bodies as well. It messes up with our minds and you can't honor God with your mind. You can't love other people with your mind when it's foggy and messed up. And so what we see here is we want to have these reasons locked in on our goal to love God and to love others. In the morning, you're going to talk about those expectations. It's great at the beginning to start asking them, so what are you going to do? How are you going to play today? What are you you excited to do outside? What are you doing at PE today? Help them remember they got to use their bodies. They got to use them right. Well, what are you having for lunch? What are you putting into your body? What's going on there? And the morning talk is about prep. It's about preparing the day. Again, how are you doing with your hygiene? Just backing up these conversations, continuing to build them in. As they get older, you're going to move into mealtime. And that mealtime, keep it up. They're going to be in elementary school and it can get busy with sports and other things. But remember, your meals are great times for mental and teaching nutritional health. So you don't want to just abandon it for the exercise. We want to talk about what goes in, not just how to, how to do it right. What put, write things in use your body rightly and so at a meal time it's a great time to teach some basics on cooking invite your children not just into the kitchen but start giving them some basics you know some basic how, how do you chop get a kid's knife and teach them how what why do we make a salad and what is this and how does this work and there you can begin to have critical conversations while you're sitting around at mealtime. make them make their lunch have them know what a good lunch is have them make good decisions. You know, we did this with my daughter. It was awesome. My wife brought her downstairs one day and we were, she was showing her how to cook some eggs. Kind of scary, right? Because there's a fire and there's a pan and it's hot. I'm chopping up those eggs, making them all good. And so we were thinking, ah, oh, this is a good thing. My daughter's learning. You know, she'll figure it out one day. It'll be awesome. The next morning, yep, we woke up and uh, kind of smelled, like, what's that smell? And we're like, that smells like eggs. That smells like eggs. And we went down there, and sure enough, my daughter had laid out two plates of eggs, and she's sitting there grinning. My little four-year-old—that's right, four years old—and she's cooking the eggs. And we're thinking she could burn down the house. What in the world's going on? We're smelling like some some of this got cooked really well. There's nothing stick on the pan, so it was all nasty mess. But you know, she looks and she's like, "I did a good job. It's, it doesn't have any shells." <laughs> Okay, there's a time at which you want to teach your children how to cook. And then, probably a little too early there, but this is a good time in the elementary school age to begin to put those things into their life and allow them to begin to experience and work with their nutrition. Meals are critical moments like that, and movement and travel is a critical moment. Now you're going to be taking them to the ball club. You're going to be ta- taking them to the soccer field. You're going to be engaging them, taking them to school on this travel time, in the movement time, in the exercise time. You want to talk about why it's good to be active. You want to talk about what making it fun and being parts of sports give them these reasons but also have this conversation about why their body it needs to be used rightly and not to overexert themselves to injure themselves because we want to honor God with what God has given us we want to be able to use this to love God and love others also remember to note what's interesting right now you want to engage their interests hey, they may be actually interested in running a long distance. And you're like, I don't wanna do that. Well, a little bit of grace, a little bit of truth, go with them, start working with them, start talking to them about these good habits. If they're kind of those kids that are like, I don't wanna go outside, I just wanna play video games. You know, that's a conversation you need to have. And oftentimes you have to go with them to engage them. This is that time period where you help engage their interests and move them in a new direction. And so finally you end up at bedtime. Bedtime again is a great time to sit down. It's time to converse. It's a time to talk. It's a time to engage. And as you get into this bedtime, this is the time where you can start talking about those messages in the media. You really think that soda makes kids look like that? No. Or you think those guys are, are really going to be that strong, like a Superman, eating that kind of pizza and stuff all the time? No. Maybe it's a message or an idea that comes from one of the commercials that they're watching on YouTube or one of the YouTube channel people, you know, when they did this day, what do you think about that? Because we want good mental thoughts too. And so we continue on. We want to talk about Bible. We want to tell the Bible stories. We want to begin to engage it deeper and really press them. We want to have good conversation about the day and review the day and maybe even pray over their day and help them think through what happened on that playground or happened at that sports event when they lost or they won. And this is good mental time. Again, seize that moment. Make sure they're doing their habits, but seize those moments and continue to frame their body as a gift from God, especially as it begins to change because soon we're going to be in middle school. And you know, at this point, those conversations, they get harder because you come under that kid and you say, hey, how was your day at school? Fine. Hey, what'd you do today? Nothing. You were at school all day. You did nothing? Yep. That's about it, right? Some of you there, right? Anybody there? Raise your hand real quick. Yep. Look, this is a difficult situation, but you need to have these critical conversations. And at this time period in middle school, we want to reinforce healthy choices. They're starting to make their own choices. They're away from you a lot more. You're not packing their lunches much. They're going away with their own money. They're out with their friends. What we want to do is help them begin to discern those healthy choices. And hey, there's some critical conversations again we're going to have here. Let's just be honest. Those critical conversations, they get scarier. You see, when you start talking about body image, bulimia, anorexia, cutting, these kind of problems, when you talk about drugs and alcohol, now you're talking about marijuana and you're talking about speed and you're talking about these more difficult drugs that are are out there and and pressing in on some of their friends. When you're talking about body supplements like protein supplements and steroids, hey, this is the time that it kind of gets freaky and you may be nervous, but I want you to know something you can be ready for them. Don't just dive into these conversations. Be ready. Do a little research. Go to a group like AXIS. AXIS is a, parenting, a Christian parenting group on, on the, online. Lots of information about this stuff. A lot of information about current cultural trends. It's a great group. But also, examine other things because you want to be wise. Look, the Proverbs say it this way. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. Increase in learning, obtain guidance, and then engage in these critical talks. And again, you're going to go back to your rhythm, morning, and talk about these kind of things. But you're going to talk about their diet. You're going to talk about what are you eating today? What are you having for breakfast? What's a good breakfast about? If you have ADHD kids, it's important they get that high protein diet. And you'll learn that. So you help them make those choices so they can do the best they can to love God and love others through their day. That's the reason we eat, right? Not because we want you to get straight A's and you're just a crazy kid. No, we want you to be able to love God, love others. And when you're in your right mind, you're focused, you can do that. We talk about the various practices through, uh, and things that we go through throughout the day, like our schedules. You know, it's super important to get into your schedule. Kids at this age are going to stress out because the pressures are growing. And if we can help begin to train them now how to put a schedule together and how to think about what to expect during the day you and help them plan it out, you begin to help them lower stress. But second, this is the perfect time to teach them that what God says about stress, about anxiety, you lift it up in prayer. And so you sit with you kid in the morning, you find out what they're doing, you pray over their schedule and you begin a good healthy habit of putting good mental things in, of trusting God. So we wanna do that. And also just one more thing, if you got a boy in this age, double down on hygiene. Dude, do those kids stink or what, man? I'm no offense if you're in the room, but come on. Man, there's something that clicks in the head of a junior high boy, and they think, I smell, and I like it. And so... I don't get it, but that, that's what's going on. We want to make sure that our kids are double down on that hygiene. When it's mealtime, hey, it's going to be hard to have mealtime. Typically, this is going to be dinner. Fight for it. Fight for it throughout the week because this is the time to have those critical conversations. This is the time to sit down and talk about the messages in the media. This is the time to talk about all of the different body shapes and images and why we're eating what we're eating again. Just reinforcing those things and why we would choose those things. Let them choose a meal and make it and then ask them why they chose that and what they think it's good for and then tell them good stories about the things out there for example one of the stories that I found is uh, a friend of mine who's gone down to comic-con actually ran into one of the actors in one of like the big you know superhero films he he was huge and buff and was in about a scene that was about three minutes long and as he was talking to this man, he was asking him, so what do you have to do to really get in that kind of shape? And the guy was like, oh, it's ridiculous. I got to fast for like two weeks and eat this, only certain things. And I got a nutritionist telling me exactly what I'm I'm working out like crazy and I hate it. And it's basically impossible to stay in this shape. They have to have a nutritionist help them out of it so they don't hurt themselves. Guys, this is body image stuff that's given to you by Marvel characters. And we need to let our kids know that this is not normal This is not how the body looks. They paint those abs on. They make these people look better with makeup. And so we need to realize that, hey, that's not a good standard. We want to be who God made us to be. We want to let our bodies work as best as they can so that we can love God and love others. These are the conversations you have at that dinner table. You you help you help them understand in their movement why they can lift the weights the way they should, or not to lift weights because they're young and they're growing. And you know, in their growth spurts, they need to get the sleep that they need. And they need all of these aspects because they are in a situation where they have to have these critical conversations. And we want to ensure that these children know and grow in the best exercise practice and everything else. And finally is bedtime. And when we hit that bedtime again. I want to emphasize, guys, that what we're looking at here is mental time. You don't lose this with your junior, with your junior, higher, middle schooler. No, you grow it. It's now you start asking questions. You review and affirm. You review and affirm their good choices. You ask them how they did with the bad choices, and you encourage it to change. All these pieces are there to help you begin to develop those habits. You continue to pray. You ask them how they're doing with their quiet time, if they're spending time with God. You examine their conversations with their friends. You ensure they brush their teeth and took their shower and are getting good sleep. These are key pieces as they go through this junior high phase, this middle school phase. Finally, is the high school phase. This high school phase is key and critical. And we need to be able to have this key critical high school phase going on because here's what's what's happening. You and I are in a situation where we need to encourage a healthy lifestyle. We have to encourage this healthy lifestyle. We can't allow this healthy lifestyle to simply ex- just happen. They, we've been training them up to this place. Now we encourage the choices that they're making as they begin to leave. They're becoming adults. And again, our goal here is to mobilize their potential as these, be, as these marbles are coming down to their end point. And we wanna encourage them to be ready to activate and get moving. Really, this is the time where we have to begin to help them have self-control. We have to help them begin to put this self-control into their life. Look, when I was their age, man, I was driving my car way too fast. I was sitting at lunchtime and during high school, and I was pounding four super super gulp, 44 ounce sodas during lunchtime. Was not a healthy decision. But I could get away with because we were exercising all the time. No, we wanna put the good things in. We wanna have the right things out. Not because I wanna look good. Not because I just wanna feel good because I wanna be the best I can be for the sake of God and others. I want to love God, and love others the best I can. And so we need that self-control. Guys, self-control is not going to come from your child. Self-control doesn't come from me inside of me. Self-control, according to the Bible, comes from the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control, critical coming from the Lord. That's why you don't abandon church. They need to be in youth group. They need to be building relationships who are continually helping them have a good mental thinking and good spiritual lives because your spiritual health translates to your physical and mental health. Because when you have a good spiritual health, you're gonna make right choices that aim at glorifying God, that aim at loving God and loving others. And it's gonna help you in the critical conversations as you struggle to love yourself rightly and not be broken. You see, in these critical conversations at this age, we're talking about all those other ones, all the drugs, all the other pieces about body image and everything else. But now you're getting into depression, getting into bodily mutilation. You're dealing with caffeine and energy drinks and, and performance enhancing drugs for the sake of education that is so popular in the colleges. Guys, we need to be ready with that information, growing in that knowledge and engaging them again in our rhythm of the morning. That rhythm of those conversations at the meals, as we're moving around, and ultimately as we're sitting around at bed. Now, um, you're going to have different things for your your boys. They got to learn early on, you know, how to shave. That's a new thing. They're going to have to learn their bodies new again, and we're talking about why God made us and how he made us and what's good about that. Be the first in. Don't let the health class at school be first. You be first. Don't, don't, let the health, don't let the sex ed class be first, you be first. And when you do this, you begin to engage and help them. You know, you need to help your daughter go see the right doctor at the right age. You need to be engaging in these pieces. Uh, one of the big pieces in those morning slots and those evening slots is to help them learn how to plan their day the best. It'll lower stress, it'll enable them to accomplish more. And in fact, I would argue to, to help them go to bed on time. In that evening spot, in that night spot, in that going to bed spot, you know, if you find your kid up cramming and cramming and cramming, it's good for you just to go and say, you know what? I care more about your health and that you're able to have a clear mind and a clear heart to love God and love others so that you're not mean to people tomorrow and you're not, you're not, you know, difficult. I'd rather you do that than good good grades. For this, go to bed. We'll work on how to schedule it better next time. And as you work with them in this way, I think it's important that you're reinforcing these truths. You're having them make good decisions. Now they may say no, and they'll suffer their own consequences. But again, you want to help them out to put together a schedule. Guys, this is so huge for a college and later. If they can do that at this age, they are ahead of the game. Don't abandon the conversations in the travel time. And my best conversations with my teenagers is happening when we're driving in a car when I'm dropping them off. When you get to this level at the end, they're driving themselves. And so it's okay for you to start a lifetime journey with them in some kind of exercise. Maybe in your movement, you're out running with them now. You're out playing tennis with them now. You're out where you can get engaged in something intentional to where you are with them and you're having good conversations about the messages they're receiving, about the questions they're having. Maybe you drop a question bomb at the meal and just let it go and see where it rolls. These are the conversations that we need to be having and they're far more open-ended and far more um, unclear and concrete compared to the beginning, but they're good to have. I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you, have these conversations. Have many conversations over the whole lifespan of your children. These conversations shouldn't end. Regardless of the phase, we wanna ensure that we and our children are being healthy. Not for the sake of just health, but so that God can use us greatly. Our goal is to be healthy so that we can love God and love others better. Let me pray for you. God, I ask that you just bless our congregation, that you bless Olive Branch, that we would be a people ready to have conversations with our children. God, for our guests, that they would leave here today more challenged to talk about health that God, for those of us who have the wrong goals in health, that we would change them to be the right ones. And God, that you would bless us to care for our grandkids and those children we influence to be healthy for the sake of loving you and loving others. We ask you to help us to do that in the name of Jesus. Amen.